Hello, so you just listened to the song Vanished by Crystal Castles, who we'll be discussing this week. I'm Nathan. I'm Joseph. And we're Silent Generation. So Crystal Castles is one of our mutual interests. It seems like it was both our favorite band in high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, close to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, So Crystal Castles is, or was, a Toronto musical group that existed from 2006 to 2017. They kind of crashed and burned in the end due to mm-hmm. a lot of uh, allegations around Ethan Kath, one of the members, along with Alex Glass. We'll probably talk a bit about that, but we're mostly going to be talking about how there's been a resurgence of interest in Crystal Castles through TikTok. Mm-hmm. Also, it seems like Alice Glass, who does have an active musical career, has been starting to actually perform Crystal Castle songs. Like I saw a TikTok recently. In the recently. Past month or two, right? Yeah, within the last like week or two of her performing her Crystal Castle song in Chile, because she's on tour. So it seems like there's a time and a place now to start talking about Crystal Castles again, even though it does have a problematic past. But maybe we can just start by talking a little bit about what we're seeing on TikTok. Or do you think we should start with a bit of band history with, first? Like, just like kind of filling in people if they weren't you know, Crystal Castle's heads like us growing up. Um, yeah. Yeah, so founded in Toronto, 2007, which I started listening to them probably in 2012, I would say, maybe 2011, similar for you, right? No, I think I started listening to them at least in 2008 because I actually have four older siblings. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I probably said on a previous episode by now already that I have like nine. Mm-hmm. It's it's complex. I have adopted yeah. siblings. But anyway, I grew up with like four older siblings in the house. And they all had very different musical tastes. Like the oldest sister was more like rap music, really like Tupac. Uh, <laughs> my um, second oldest sister was more into like techno. She organized raves. My brother, uh, he was more into like DJing and skater culture. But all of them individually really liked Crystal Castles, and it was played a lot in the house and also when we were in the car driving places. Even with, like, my dad in the car, he seemed to like it too. Hmm. Um, So we all collectively liked Crystal Castles quite a lot. And I liked it in middle school, I liked it in high school. I like it to this day. And I think that part of the reason why so many people liked it was just because the music itself, which was a bit, like, chiptune-focused, was presented in like a goth way. <laughs> yeah. It was um, definitely got wrapped in goth aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. You're able to divorce what you're hearing from the aesthetics or mm-hmm. you're able to divorce the connotations of the music itself from its like video game-esque origins yeah. and then like recontextualize it into whatever your own life was because it really was kind of unlike anything else you were hearing. Yeah. I think because it was so iconoclastic and different from stuff, that's why you and your siblings have all these disparate music tastes. Like it wasn't when a music doesn't feel like it's pivoting off of an existing genre, it's like freed of any of the like, I don't know, ties to it. And so people can just kind of approach it clean and be like, Oh, I just like this on its own. It's not like coming from this movement or this era or something. It just felt very fresh. Yeah. But this was also like a pivotal moment where post 90s, people stopped saying like they only like listening to one genre. Yeah. uh Because in the 90s, there would be like you in high school, a high schooler would be like, I only like rap. I only like rock. Mm -hmm. I only like country. Yeah. And they would form cliques around those musical genres to some extent. Mm -hmm. But then when Crystal Castles existed and became active, this was when you could go on their MySpace and you (laughs) could like find individual groups and 
people were doing more exper mm -hmm. experimental things with music because both the musicians themselves could access a broader range of musical genres through the internet, but then also they could find fans more easily yeah. in niche musical styles because of the internet. I think people did become more eclectic from like the 2000s onward. Not to say that people didn't have diverse music tastes before. You always, I mean, great music of the 70s, 80s, 90s came from people like drawing very far afield from whatever their musical like scene was. Yeah, but you know, that, Kurt Cobain doing like covers of like 30s and 40s blues songs, stuff like that. People are always going to pull from like disparate yeah. eras, but it felt like it was mo more forgiving. I think things were much more segmented. <laughs> like you are this type of person, you're in this subculture or main culture, so you listen to this. Like, yeah. yeah, that's also the altification of normies, though. Uh, <laughs> I met a prime example yesterday. I met this girl at the bar um, at Rainbow Club. She looked not not the wildest she looked fine a little bit alternative like i was like okay maybe she went to like columbia college mm -hmm. an art school in chicago i don't know where she went to college but she was from winneka oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> she said she she like introduced herself as being from like she went to new trier high school uh which is like okay of the suburbs in chicago New Trier High School is like the ritziest, like it's North Shore. <laughs> I, I, North I'll, I'll even up that of schools in America. It's one of the best. Yeah. Like, um, and definitely like of, it is a public school, right? Technically. Yeah, it's a public school. Yeah, but it's like yeah. the neighbor. But it's the, run. Like, yeah. Yeah. The admissions process is not on the school level, it's in the living in the neighborhood <laughs> level, you know? Yeah. It's like um, the people who live in Winneka and live in the North Shore, they could definitely afford to pay for private school if they lived in the city for their children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But instead, they'll move to those communities and they'll pay a bit more for taxes and yeah. the public schools will be pay very good. Pay more for your house, your taxes, um, all that, but you get it back in the form of that school. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, these, like, the kids from the North Shore always look very pretty, always look very <laughs> well-fed, really nice. But yeah, they, it's wild. It's, I feel like even people now who are my age who are like post-frat or post-sorority. I'll meet them and I'll be like, wow, um, yeah, you look more alt than me in some ways. Yeah, people have been more on a straight and narrow <laughs> conventional, um, like which, suburban. Which you kind of fit into that because you're a former frat boy. I am a recovering frat boy, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but specifically on Winneka, um, my like first year in college, I was seeing this girl, she was at the Art Institute. She dressed moderately alt, I would say, nothing crazy like makeup wise. But we were somewhere, we were making small talk at the checkout. I think we were at a record store actually. We were making small talk. And he was like, Oh, where are you from? And she said to him, like, Oh, yeah, I'm from Evanston. And I was just like very new to Chicago. I'm like, Well, that's weird. I could have sworn she was from there. And then as we left, I asked her, She's like, Yeah, and I kind of tried to hide the Winneka thing because it has so many connotations of like snootiness and all that. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. Yeah, that's just what comes with living in that area. <laughs> like, it comes with that perception. Like, I guess people could, like, call into doubt your alt valor. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, so that was a big tangent. Yeah. But we were just talking about how, the you era. know, the internet, starting with MySpace, it allowed people to be able to diversify their tastes mm -hmm. and find things like Crystal Castles. So, for me, I would say that Crystal Castles is probably, like, top five musicians I've been to just period in my, over the course of my life but I've never really gravitated towards liking musicians and making them a part of my identity mm -hmm. like how there are fans for Nicki Minaj, Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga. Yeah. You resisted uh, the urge to stan. Yeah. To be yeah. a stan. I, I guess I have I've some just, kind of stan. 
past you want to tell me about? Oh, well, mine mine is kind of random, but for, I mean, this is more political. Being a Glenn Greenwald stan. I'm a Glenn Greenwald stan, (laughs) but adjacent to that, I was like, I had this like fervent Tulsi Gabbard phase that was pretty intense. That got me on the political trajectory I'm on now. Um, I don't like her anymore, but... No, I was really into her. I guess, like, other than Crystal Castles, the most I've ever been to a musical, into a musical group is FKA Twigs. Oh. Like, I've seen her live at least three times, wow. which I can't say for anyone else. Yeah. I did see Crystal Castles live once, actually, mm. at Lollapalooza in 2013, which is the only time I've been to Lollapalooza. So for those of you that don't know, Lollapalooza is the largest music festival in Chicago. Yeah. Happens in, like, Grant Late? Park, near Millennium Park, right, downtown August, Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I, was growing up in, when I was growing up in high school, a lot of my classmates would actually go to Lollapalooza annually, and they'd go for like three days straight. And it would be like their opportunity to try hardcore drugs for the first time. Like they'd be like, oh, I'm going to Lollapalooza. I might as well do cocaine. Yeah. And they'd be in a crowd of like thousands of people thinking they should try these drugs for the first time Getting dehydrated and, having like no <laughs> yeah, yeah resources or anything no access to indoor spaces either yeah um i used to work in an office building facing grant park millennium park you know where Lollapalooza is held and just um <laughs> security kind of like tamps down in the loop around Lollapalooza because like any alleyway becomes a place for kids to like transfer alcohol into more discreet containers or just to pound shots yeah. And stuff. So like our usual side ev- entrance was closed off. Like the city kind of like gets on its gets on edge. But what it's protecting itself from is like not that these kids are going to do anything bad, but they just present a tremendous like liability. <laughs> these kids are like about to I don't know yeah try drugs for the first time and just be drunk while being fifteen sixteen. Like yeah, the whole city kind of like braces for impact when uh, Lollapalooza comes around. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it is a very big economic driver for the city. It brings mm-hmm. in a lot of money to Chicago. Yeah. I do think it should happen. It's fine. But oh, I yeah, do, no, I'm totally in favor of yeah. that. Like, I, I think that, like, I don't know. You're allowed to bemoan Lollapalooza a little bit. But, like, at the end of the day, I always say this with any large Chicago event. Like, I try not to complain about Marathon, like, Lollapalooza. I'm trying to think of other big ones. St. Patrick's Day, any of that. Like, we're just lucky that we're a big enough city that gets these kind of events. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I moved to a city yeah. and they have world-class events. When? I, be- I bet, like, Big Ten normies, they come to Chicago on St. Patrick's Day. Like, I could, I could imagine people from, like, Notre Dame coming into Chicago yeah. for the day mm-hmm. just because of St. Patrick's Day. That, yeah. Which is wild. I've never met anyone that does that. But that's a safe yeah. presumption. Yeah. I, I'm actually a big St. Patrick's Day fan in Chicago. Yeah. Like, I, it was just, like, a family thing back in Las Vegas. Like, the, you know, Irish side of my family, turbo-Americanized, would make uh, corned beef every St. Patrick's Day. But then coming to Chicago and seeing that it's this whole, like, open-air bar, kind of, like, bacchanalia, um, is really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of insane. And, I don't know, the city just gets back to normal within, like, you know, one or two days. I kind of like that it's just this unhinged, like you can't arrest all of us mentality of open drinking, but then everything goes back to the normal, well-behaved city, moderately well-behaved city that it usually is. Yeah. Wait, so have you ever been to Lollapalooza yourself? Yes. Um, huh, I don't know how much I want to talk about it. But <laughs> I went to Lollapalooza super last minute and saw Diplo, is what I'm going to say. It was paid for by someone else. 
Yeah. But it was really wild. That was my only exposure was just like walking in, like as the festival was kind of ending, like kind of haggard people like (laughs) flooding out and then going into the VIP area of Diplo, which is weird because you're right up next to the stage. You can feel the heat of the pyro, but then like the lumpen masses are all behind you. (laughs) And it was kind of weird. I didn't really like that vibe of like, oh, I'm on the other side. Like I'm in the VIP thing. Like there were some guys in the crowd like, hey man, come over here, come over here. And I was like, uh, like I was kind of yeah. afraid of the crowd when I'm usually used to being on the other side. But yeah, that's my yeah. Lala experience. I've got to go. I got like actual VIP response to Pitchfork in the past, oh. um, which Pitchfork Music Festival is like probably the second biggest music festival in Chicago. But it's organized through Pitchfork Magazine, mm-hmm. which is like a music review website. Uh, but yeah, I got like, well, it's kind of through someone. They they gave their wristband to me more than once. Well, they were like, I want to leave. And I got to see Kendrick Lamar backstage live. <laughs> but I'm not really into music festivals that Damn. much. I am glad I got to see Crystal Castles at Lollapalooza, though. Even though uh, while I was watching Crystal Castles, someone uh, threw up on the back of my legs. <laughs> it was speaking of like debauchery and yeah, high schoolers from the suburbs. It wasn't actually as bad as it sounds, but it was enough to be like, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, it was also a bit muddy the day I went, so that was like not the best. But mm-hmm. while I was watching Crystal Castles perform, Alice Glass, I think, had a cast on her leg and jumped off the stage and then went crowd surfing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess we can get into like kind of the, yeah, the two parts of the band. So oh, they but, met. Ooh. But before we get into that, I do want to bring up. One thing, so I was reading a think piece um, called The Problematic Art and Crystal Castle's Legacy, published on Pop Matters. And I read this quote where they mentioned that Alice Glass, before launching into Set Highlights Crime Wave at Lollapalooza 2013, Alice mused to the ob- oblivious crowd, barely audible through layers of vocal modulation, lies, lies, everything is cruel, everything is false, everything you know means nothing. I must say, I don't remember that in high school. No, yeah, there's a lot going on. Someone threw up on your legs and all that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so timeline for Crystal Castles, you know, Ethan Kath did the making the beats. That's not his real name. He has another name that's actually surprisingly cool. He has a birth name. He has has a a given name. (laughs) But yeah, so they met. He was in his late 20s. She was in her teens. She was in high school, early high school. They started producing music. Um, A lot of their early history is kind of wrapped in these lies that he would make up about the group. Like one of their first songs was Alice Practice is what it was called. And he insisted this was just surreptitiously recorded while Alice was warming up. Um, And then they turned it into something. That's not true. It was like Alice would later say that his storytelling in that way was trying to take away her agency and responsibility, which yeah, kind of sounds right. He's casting it as like, oh, she knows not what she does. Like, Yes, she has talent, but it requires me to harness it. They, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's hard to, it's pretty easy to like reapply what we know about them now to stuff back then. But what you named, that is a very clear example of her like quietly screaming for help, like while performing. And then she would leave the group in 2014, I believe. Yeah, in 2014. Um, And then after she left, there was, so Crystal Castle's, when it was Ethan, Kath, and Alice Glass, they released three albums, all titled Crystal Castles 1, Crystal Castles 2, Crystal Castles 3. Uh, the fourth album, which was called Amnesty 1, 
it was both Ethan Kath and then another member named Edith Francis. Edith had very similar vocals to Alice, but so the group still existed after Alice Glass left for an additional album. But Alice Glass, I think, learned that there were allegations coming out about how Ethan Kath was treating the new member or other women. And Mm -hmm. around when Me Too was happening, I think Alice Glass came out and publicly revealed everything that had really gone on behind the scenes. Yeah, so that was October 2017. And this was as close as I came to seeing Crystal Castles. I think in early October, my friend had reached out to me about seeing them live. Uh, He had a free ticket. Um, So I was all gearing up to go see that. And then, yeah, as the news trickled in, um, as Alice Glass made her, like, big post on her website detailing her allegations and referencing the allegations of others, then it all happened very quickly. I think his label dropped him. Definitely, like, the the tour was canceled. And he's mostly disappeared since, Ethan Kath. People try and track him down on Reddit, on, like, the Crystal Castles Reddit and see what he's up to. The best guess is that, like, he is releasing music pseudonymously somehow. That's my guess, because yeah. I, I read a comment or two where someone guessed that too. And I can believe it, because he had other musical uh, projects prior to Crystal Castles. Mm-hmm. I've never listened to those. But I could see him just doing something anonymously now, because the type of music that he makes, which is heavily electronic, I feel like half the people who make music within that scene are anonymous. Yeah, like, anonymous or pseudonymous or something. Yeah, yeah. like watch, <laughs> watch he's like Deadmau or something. Like he's actually just literally <laughs> performing with a mask on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it definitely brings in like, yeah, people who want to hide or obfuscate their identity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the name Crystal Castles, um, I was mistaken earlier. I, I guess I must have built this just into my understanding of it. I was... Uh, at a bar and I ended up playing this like arcade game uh, called Crystal Castles and I was like this is what it must be from that is not the case um, it comes from She-Ra like the 1980s cartoon there's just some phrase where they say I don't know something about their safety in the Crystal Castles um, and that kind of shows that he's like a Gen Xer right? yeah isn't he? he's like an elder elder millennial into Gen X, yeah, so She-Ra references. Meanwhile, like, Alice Glass is more squarely millennial in yeah. generation, yeah. Um, I mean, I think for myself and, uh, I mean, I started listening to this really young. Like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. 13, maybe even 12. They were some of the first musicians that I really latched onto. And there was actually a TikTok I saw where someone was saying, like, okay, now they can finally relate to older people like explaining about, about like back when they were in high school, they listened to a certain person. Because I think for me and for a lot of people, this is their first opportunity to be that person in the room, to be like, oh, yeah, I, I used to listen to them. Back in the day, yeah. It was <laughs> staking your claim and like knowing yeah. an artist before they were big. And yeah. part of the reason why is because the group ended, because they're not yeah. active. Mm-hmm. They're um, sealed in amber. Yeah, it gives you the opportunity to be like, oh, yes, yeah. Because they, they did drop off of the public consciousness for a bit. It really only like, became popular again through TikTok. No. The TikToks are funny, yeah. What's the, uh, what's the tweet? The TikTok effect is when I work at an eight-year-old's birthday party and they want me to play Kerosene by Crystal Castles. <laughs> so, yeah. like... Yeah, because on TikTok you have to, like, cite, you know, the songs and stuff that you use. Like, this lets people, like, rediscover 
the artists and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, people I either mean, slow it down or speed it up. Seems to be a trend as well. I mean, that's one of the main reasons I use TikTok is just to find music. Because mm -hmm. Spotify, I'm a Spotify user. Their algorithms are not good. Like, if I listen to, like, a Release Radar or a Discover Weekly playlist that they create for me, there will only be, like, one to five songs that I find a week well, through the recommendations. Well, like, <laughs> yeah. song playlist, yeah. yeah. I do the radios off of artists that I'm discovering. Um, that's usually pretty helpful because yeah. that'll have, like, half the songs will be that, by that artist and other ones will be, like, pivots yeah. off of them. Or I'll click the related artist thing. But for me, like, Spotify, their algorithm thinks I'm so, I'm just so not interested in mainstream music that they mm. just feed me, like, the most bizarre, obscure music that they can find. Like, it's really, like, I never get recommended anything that I've heard of before. It gets into these moods. It really thought I liked Gorillaz for yeah. a bit. It was just pushing so much Gorillaz yeah. on me. And I'm like, this is not my vibe. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, it's like, maybe it saw that I like other kind of, like, British alternative things and then so it's like you like, must love like the gorillas. biggest artist that they've realized i've liked is shy girl who's i mean she's actually pretty popular she's like a british musical artist i would say like the people who like fkh twigs 99 percent probably also like shy girl mm -hmm. but shy girl's more like rap as mm. opposed to like where fk twigs is more r&b yeah. but yeah that's like the the only like big person that they've like tried to feed me otherwise yeah. it's like very alternative yeah yeah. I was listening to one like Australian punk song song on repeat. It was Constant Headache by I forget the band's name. But I just really liked the song. I was just kind of listening to it too much. And it kept on pushing all this other Australian punk onto me and none of it just had the same kind of like <laughs> I don't yeah. know, vibe and I just didn't like it at all. It's like I don't know, I'm allowed to like one song from one genre. Like it doesn't mean that I have to take the rest of it wholesale. Yeah. Um Speaking of that, I actually started list. I added a, <laughs> I did a country song to my playlist this week. Yeah. Uh, no, let it? me find it. You're gonna laugh. <laughs> um, I added "What Makes You Country" by Luke Bryan. Wow, that's a fit. I, yeah. I love like outlaw country music. It's a very classic. Like, I don't know, artsy indie alt guy take. It's like, oh, I like country, but only when it's Johnny Cash or Waylon Jennings or like you know the pre. I say pre 9-11 country because that is really like the flashpoint that like gave rise to Toby Keith, which gave rise to um, bro country as we know nowadays. But um, some bro country I make exceptions for is the song uh, God's Country. Yeah, <laughs> I like that, that is one. A, that is a powerful song. It's just mixed right. I don't know what it is. I remember driving through like Wyoming with my ex and we put that song on. And I'm like, hell yeah, this is God's Country. And I'm like... Yeah. I'm too much of a coastal elite to really like understand this song. So we should get back to talking about TikTok a bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the biggest TikTok user. I've started to have it more permanently on my phone since launching this podcast because I'm doing cultural analysis and it's yeah. very helpful. It's like but, yeah, you're tapped into um, the bloodstream of the culture. Yeah. It's of the I feel like if you want to know what's present or also just have more like cultural knowledge, TikTok is the place mm -hmm. to be right now. But TikTok, you know, when I first started using it, somewhere along the lines, it started to, like, it recommended a song or two with a Crystal Castles, like, song that was used, probably Kerosene or Crime Wave. But it immediately figured out that I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started to get more and more content from them. My TikTok feed, I don't know how it compares to other people because I'm not on it enough to really get a, an idea of what, like, 
the different camps on TikTok are. One of the camps I do get recommended a lot is called Flop Talk. Have you yeah, heard of Flop Talk? Yeah, you gotta Talk? give me a rundown on that. Okay, Flop Talk's kind of bizarre. So Flop Talk, it's all kind of a joke. Uh, so it's like this mixture of aesthetics and sounds which involve Cupcake, the rapper, being uh-huh. remixed with um, <laughs> GFA, which is like AI-generated Chinese music. Um, <laughs> but they'll also do, they'll do like GFA... Uh, Flop talk remixes of like Genesis by Grimes, Kerosene by Crystal Castles. And they're really good. We're gonna release a Pinterest board for this episode. One of the things I pinned is a Flop Talks remix of Kerosene by Crystal Castles, which maybe I'll um, include. Well, like, I maybe put it in this episode. <laughs> I see they're, they're like reconstituting a song out of just girls. Of, yeah. Yeah, it's it's good though, honestly. But anyway, so this is insane to read. I'm on the Flop Talk wiki. Flop Tropica is the successor to the Badusi War which was one of the first worlds for flops to live in. I don't, <laughs> this is, so my relationship to TikTok is I keep it on my phone. I use it when people send me TikToks, but I am so afraid of it. I see that it's like, I don't know, it's got this like siren call to me as it does to everyone. It's got like this, you know, honed algorithm that knows and we'll find out what you like. Um, and that like really scares me. <laughs> I'm yeah. afraid, I already spend so much time on my phone, like, and that's without using TikTok, so. Yeah, that's my fear regarding that. But, I mean, if I'm hosting a cultural commentary yeah. pop, podcast. But no, uh, Flop Talk is kind of bizarre. I think it's, okay, it's very gay. It's like yeah. half of it will just be like words for lady parts. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like not appropriate. Um, but what's funny is like, like I actually get like quite a lot of Flop Talk media recommended to me. Mm-hmm. But like... I feel like 10% of it is like a video where someone's complaining about their math teacher. And like I started to realize that the people who are making flop talk content are like 14. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta watch that. Yeah. This is what I find so funny about your taste in like the memes you send or post is that like since you don't curse, like sometimes you will share memes that like I feel like are cursing by proxy basically because yeah. they are like a little bit crass or funny or something. So I think it's funny that like <laughs> that is like your filter by which you release these things. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do. I laugh at vulgar content. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You say like you're confessing to your priest. <laughs> I have laughed at vulgar content on TikTok. Forgive yeah. me, Father. Um, so yeah, I started to get a lot of flap talk. Crystal Castle was recommended to me. Mm-hmm. But then I got this one particular, this one particular TikTok that was recommended to me that was posted by a musical artist named Javan, a J-U-H-V-A-H-N, where they're basically saying like, I get inspiration from Crystal Castles. Here's my song that's influenced by them. And it had like a million views or likes. And it sounded good. Um, like we'll probably play it in this episode here. Mm-hmm. 
I really liked it. And that made me like realize, okay, this is coming back. There's yeah. something going on here. <laughs> There's something in the water. Um, so I started to like look into like other sort of concurrent new musicians that are influenced by like Crystal Castles in different way, different ways. So there's Pastel Goth, whose most famous song is Dark Beach. That oh, song Pastel has been, Ghost. Oh, sorry. I said Pastel Goth. Yeah. I, yeah. I do that by accident a lot no, that's, because... that's kind of the um, point, I feel. There's an older aesthetic called Pastel Goth, which was sort of adjacent to Vaporwave and Seapunk. Yeah. And Pastel Goth, it involved all these girls that would dye their hair like a pastel color, like lavender or like seafoam green. And then they'd wear like tights and they'd have like inverted crosses. It wasn't my aesthetic, but like I knew people in high school who vaguely dressed like it. it that was always an interesting one because it was like in terms of the actual like shape and build of the clothing, it was all pretty strict goth, but yeah. all they did was palette swap. You know, like nothing in the shape or the silhouettes or any of that was changing. It was just like, what if you took goth, but oh, you wouldn't expect it to be pastel colors, would you? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's like that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, that's not worthy of an episode. You know, <laughs> like, what can we say about pastel goth that other people haven't already said? I mean, I think you could get into a really interesting discussion because one of the more bizarre things about pastel goth was they started to aestheticize bruises. Oh, um, yeah. Which was one of the like things that you would see on Tumblr back in the day. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure someone could get into a big discussion about that, but I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, no. But, yeah, so Pastel Ghost, their most favorite song is Dark Beach, and that one has been trending on TikTok for a while, too. Maybe we'll play it now. I really like Pastel Ghosts, but they're a little bit earlier. They're kind yeah. of like in between Concurrent. Crystal Castles and Juvan. Another musician who's a bit newer is probably pronounced Akiora, um, whose most famous song is Sleepwalker. And you might be like, okay, how do how are we determining these people are influenced by Crystal Castles? Well, Akiora, they follow Alice Glass on Twitter. You can tell. <laughs> Objective evidence. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we need to defend our like uh, cultural yeah. comparisons, but there. Yeah. And finally, I just want to mention Alice Gas. Um, Alice Gas is a bit more like hundred gex adjacent. Mm -hmm. They don't really fit within this musical genre, but Alice Gas very clearly taken from Alice Glass, which I find like really cool because there are examples yeah. of people in music who've taken their names from like older bands. That Chet they, Faker is yeah. off of Chet Baker, who was a jazz musician. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also can think of like Calm Truce. I think there's also like Susie and the Banshees. I think they took Oh Susie and the Banshees. And I think yeah. they took their name from someone named like Susie Sue. Which I don't I don't know either that well, but mm -hmm. I, there there are people in music that take their names as like as namesakes of like yeah. musicians that they really respect. Yeah. And I, I love that like Alice Gas took their name from Alice Glass. Yeah. Um there's also Snow Strippers out of Detroit. Um, I've been listening to some of them. I, there's definitely a comparison. I mean, it's a girl-boy duo, just like Crystal Castles, and it's very, like, jarring electronic, but then female vocals. And then their aesthetics are interesting. I like they use a lot of, like, decrepit Detroit backgrounds, which I think is cool. And I think there's a Detroit, you know, Toronto kind of connection there um, culturally. 
And then, yeah, the front woman for that is really just, I don't know, fascinating. <laughs> I think yeah. she's just got a wild aesthetic and dances around a lot in her videos. Um, yeah, I think I, I see yeah. stuff in the future for them. I should listen to them. Um, I really like boy-girl duos. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, I would listen to like Sleigh Bells. I, yeah. I also, I can't, I can't think of too many, but like there's the Ant Word. Um, yeah, another problematic yeah. <laughs> duo, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, back in the day, I used to be like, oh, I love all these like boy-girl duos. They're yeah. best friends. I didn't realize that it was a muse relationship to some degree, and oftentimes there was like a romantic component between yeah. the two. But that was just the gay high schooler in me being like, like they're just friends. oh yeah, they're just like best friends making music. But <laughs> actually, um, yeah, there's stuff behind the scenes that's a bit unsavory. Yeah, the D-Antwoord stuff is just coming out like semi-recently. But that's always like, I don't know, they always sold their image as being transgressive and crazy. And then to think they could just compartmentalize that only to their music and not to their like their conduct outside of that. I don't know. I think that there's a reason we're always like attracted to these, to the problematic male <laughs> woman, male female duo. Um, I think it just helps that there's more creative control within like a two partner relationship. Yeah. Speaking of silent generation, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like once you get like a larger group, things can get bogged down. Yeah, but, triangles emerge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also this is kind of pre. This is pre Crystal Castles, but the knife. That's out of Sweden. That's a boy girl duo, brother and sister. Actually siblings, they're not like Jack White was pretending to be siblings with his wife, which is a weird thing. But that's also kind of very Crystal Castles as well, like obfuscating and lying about your past. Jack White does it because he's crazy and interesting, and Crystal Castles did a lot of lying about their past to try and hide the timeline of their ages when they first met. That's another thing that Alice had mentioned in an interview. Um, Grimes. Grimes is a part of this kind of conversation. But she's a one-woman show, you know. She is the beat maker and the vocals. She performs with people, though. I've seen yeah, live performances. Mm-hmm. She has people up on stage. Mm-hmm. With Not her. saying she doesn't have producers and stuff, but yeah. yeah. Arca from where's Arca from? Argentina or Chile? Venezuela. Jeez, Joseph. All right. We'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that because Arca once at Pitchfork, she DJed. And someone in the crowd was holding up a Venezuela flag, mm-hmm. and Arco is like beijus, beijus, like kisses, kisses. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. cute. Yeah, um, and one of the Alice Glass interviews I was uh, reading recently, uh, Alice Glass says Arca can definitely afford to have a team of makeup artists. She would, like Alice Glass was talking about how good Arca's makeup and stuff is, and I think this is the most spiritually gay behavior. I've done. Listen to that interview. I was like, "Oh man, she's throwing shade at Arca," because a known thing about Arca is that Arca comes from money. Her dad is an oil baron in Venezuela, yeah, and then just did not need a music career to bolster uh, yeah. her wealth, but totally. But did Arca it. is not an example of a nepo baby fail daughter. I bet that she has actually brought in quite a lot of more money into the yeah, already into wealthy the family. family that she's a yeah. part of. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, everyone always brings up Arca, and then what is it, King Princess? King Princess is an artist whose family is the some department store moneyed family, which I find it less nefarious, less nefarious than Venezuelan oil executive. That's always going to be more. Yeah, there's this one lady I follow on Instagram, and she posted she posts all these reels where she's like alluding to being from like a former Soviet country and like how she's like 
it's kind of playing the like Russian bimbo core a bit, mm-hmm. even though she's probably from like Tajikistan or Turkmenistan or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but she has this one video that I really like where she's like, if I want to hear about your money, I want to hear about like oil barren, natural resources extraction <laughs> kind of money. That's real money. That's yeah. what I want. In man. Yeah. Like primary relationship to the actual substance being extracted kind of stuff not just financial management you know like actual like ideal in uranium yeah. ideal in because like, that's how you have steel. real money you own the railroad yeah uh, but i mean i think that was like the 18 that was the first wave of new billionaires i mean the first way to make money was like you know just owning land like being a landed gentry and the next thing was like resource extraction and now it's just like moving amounts of money around through the internet <laughs> and getting more of it but hmm. more Alice Glass stuff. Um, yeah, she had an interview pretty recently because yeah, she's so on this new tour. I feel like we should talk about Alice Glass's music. Could you start? Oh, her solo stuff. Yeah. Um, I I wish I could say more about that. I haven't listened to too much of it. Um, but yeah, she released an album. Uh, it uses the number four in it, which is a reference to the fact that like she's saying that she is continuing the Crystal Castles legacy kind of disregarding, you know, Amnesty 1, released by Ethan, and instead she is continuing Crystal Castles. Um, She's been more assertive recently about her role in the creation of these songs. She's been performing Crystal Castle songs, but she's also saying that, like, you know, because one of the things that Ethan did when they split up and when he was canceled is his just reactionary thing is, well, I am the music, I produced everything, you know, minimizing her role in it. So she's actively reclaiming that yeah it does Um, seem like she was able to get some sort of legal rights though because she is performing the music again live Um, unless she's counting on him just not cease and desisting her which she could just be kind of like calling his bluff in that way like does he really want to re-emerge granted he'd re-emerge like by way of lawyers and all that uh to actually charge her with anything but yeah um another little and we're talking about lawyers and stuff um he did charge her with defamation for the stuff she was saying about him, but the case got thrown out. So that's a, that's a W for Alice. And then uh, he had to pay her lawyer's fees. So that's like, I don't know, showing that she wasn't, she was yeah. not slandering him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Honestly, like I, along with pretty much everyone else, we want to like Alice Glass's new music. <laughs> um, it's, I don't like it as much though. Something it's not awesome. the same. It's not yeah. as dancey. It's like the type of music I feel like you'd like if you were like, a white man with long hair who felt a lot of rage. But also, I mean, the music that they're making, they're performing only along with women. I think in that interview that yeah. we looked at, she described her band as being like Josie, jo- just, how do you say it? Josie and the Pussycats? <laughs> yeah, like Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah. She has a female manager and stuff. Yeah, um, it's an all-female band yeah. now to some extent. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Hopefully it gets better. Mm-hmm. I, it's just... Yeah, everyone wants to like it. I like her aesthetic. I like yeah. Alice as a person. One, it's just not like what I want to hear as much. Yeah, um, which is always a bummer. Like you always want to, I don't know. It seems like yeah. a very cliched thing that like when a band hates each other, they produce great music. And it also feels like when a band is problematic and terrible, they release great music. And then once they're happy and satisfied and like freed and not hurting, the music suffers, which yeah. is so, that's such a dumb trope because like, Music should not just be this, like, off product that comes from trauma. It should just be, like, a genuinely creative thing. But, 
Um, yeah, it's just something yeah. that it gets observed. Spe- um, speaking of like wanting it to be good and it, it's not, or um, <laughs> wanting to like in it. terms of like Crystal Castle's discography, I really liked one. Two came out, didn't really like it. I got worried, mm-hmm. but three uh, to this day I think is my favorite. Yeah. Um, although think. like one and three, I kind of like them equally in different ways. But I played like one so much when I was younger that I I played it into the ground. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. not really. I I still like it, but. I can like choose to like turn on a song from the third album and like it still feels a bit more fresh. Yeah, I think that's a pretty classic. Like whenever you have a trilogy, not to draw with too yeah. out of a brush here, but you always have like the original unimitable first album that changes the game and re like change how people think about the music. The second one, they make a pivot in like one clear direction that either lands or it doesn't. And then the third one, they take the best parts of the first album. They're more experienced. They maybe have more access to like money, yeah. finances, that kind of stuff, and they really knocked it out of the park. That's like the ideal trilogy of anything: yeah. is the weird second installment, and then the like stick the landing. Yeah, the sophomore album in the middle is very challenging. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then when it is just limited to only three things, that just kind of like really wraps it up neatly with a bow. It feels. Um, yeah, yeah. Like for me, I've never really had like an artist that I follow their entire career and not trailed off. I do like music. I, I have an eclectic wide variety of things I've listened to, but I've never had like, there are a handful of albums I can think of where like I listen, I can listen to the whole album and I pretty much like every song, mm-hmm. like Loose by Nelly Furtado, <laughs> uh, three, three by Crystal Castles. Um, yeah. I really like, yeah. There's, it's, it sounds like a bit, <laughs> your love for Nelly. I know it's genuine. I know it's not. A no, I don't, I don't, I don't sit around listening to her. I really don't. But if someone is like, oh, we should put something on, yeah. I'll be like, put that album on. Because it's like, <laughs> I don't want to skip any songs. It's fine. Yeah. It's a good album. No. <laughs> um, I'm, such a, I'm such a basic Radiohead guy. That's just always uh, an artist. That you know, I, I saw them live. Oh, man. I'm jealous. I saw them live because... Um, they always go to Brazil. People lose their shit for Radiohead in Brazil. I mean, every, they, they sell out stadiums everywhere. But it's funny yeah. about Brazil specifically. It's like how Morrissey is huge in, was it Mexico, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Yeah. I mean, Brazilians get excited for everything. Mm-hmm. Hopefully some Brazilians find Silent Generation. <laughs> I think <laughs> Maybe we, I need to speak more Portuguese for them I, to get I would, excited. I would love for us to have a disproportionately Portuguese like audience or uh, Brazilian and Portuguese audience. I think that'd be really funny. That'd be cool. Maybe we can speak to them in some way. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah, one, one thing that Alice said in an interview was the idea with Crystal Castles was to be just an aesthetic and not really talk about real issues. I respect that. I like that. That's something she's, like, not doing now. Like, she definitely does yeah. want to talk about, you know, real issues and her story and her yeah. trauma well, and all Well, also, that. that's an idea that was very of the moment for its yeah. time. Because around when MySpace happened, at that phase in the Internet... I feel like people were starting to make music based off of aesthetic images. Like, that's what you saw with Witch House. Yeah. When people would see these eerie images and think about the eerie sounds that could accompany them. Yeah. Seapunk was sort of the same way, where all these images of, like, 90s aquatic aesthetics were inspiring people, and they were like, oh, what would that sound like? Mm-hmm. Um, Crystal Castles, I guess, might have been the same way, but they were, like, they started pre-Tumblr, before mm-hmm. images were as easy to circulate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like they did that as part of like a group at the same time that was concurrently circulating images amongst themselves. Yeah, there wasn't like a wider like Crystal Castles aesthetic. They were, Yeah. I mean, I guess there's, they borrow from punk imagery, they borrow from goth imagery. 
Although maybe there might be through, I would say that maybe now there's an opportunity for that to happen through TikTok because there are musicians trying to make music that's similar. But I feel like all of the Crystal Castle or the Crystal Castle aesthetic has been sort of um, dissected and disseminated through others through other aesthetics. Yeah. Like you see elements of it in Pastel Goth, you see elements of it in Witch House, yeah. you see elements of it in other ways. Yeah, and then in terms of I don't know fashion and all that, I I own a Crystal Castle shirt. I I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, I bought it back in 2016, I think. Um, and so it's the burka cover. It is. You did some cool research on the back of this. Actually. Yeah. So the burka cover Joseph's referring to is the cover of the third album, Crystal Castles Three. And the album cover features an award-winning photograph by Spanish-born Catalan photojournalist and photographer Samuel Aranda. It shows a mother, Fatima Alcawis, embracing her son Zaid, who is suffering from the effects of tear gas after taking part in a street demonstration against the then-ruling president Ali Abdullah Saleh in Sana'a, Yemen. And this image, I couldn't, I tried really hard to find a quote that I read many years ago about the cover of their album, but I couldn't find it. But I remember reading in an interview somewhere along the line, they said something about how they really liked this image because within the image, the woman is the one who has all of the power. The mm -hmm. man needs protection and cradling. And it actually is, it reminds me of images of like Madonna and Jesus, yeah, uh -huh. um, like the Pieta by Michelangelo. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, it is like a very you know, deep and eternal image. I don't know. It's it's. I do wonder what's going on in their head in choosing this. Because I mean, I think that we, as I've said, we look back on this and we start to retroactively apply, like, what Ethan did to the images and to the music and to all that. But I don't know. Did he see himself as being protected by Alice in some way? I mean, I I don't know. I don't want I too see, many. No, I, I, I think that mm -hmm. maybe it's just the image itself. Cause yeah. I think when I think of the image, I think of that Pieta yeah. image in my mind. Yeah. Um, actually, <laughs> in high school, um, me and this other girl, we won something for your book senior year where it was something along the lines of like... Oh, superlative? Like It was something... We, we both won like best artist or something, mm -hmm. but I forget what the title was, but we had to take a picture together. And we, <laughs> we had to like... <laughs> we suggested things several times over the course of several months where we kept getting rejected, where they were like, no, you can't do that. That sounds too violent that sounds yeah. too religious mm -hmm. uh, but one of the religious one was like we we recommended like oh we want to do like a recreation of the pieta <laughs> for the yearbook <laughs> like it was going to be like her holding you me. draped across her knees <laughs> yeah it i really wanted to do it yeah. but they were like that's too catholic <laughs> yeah i don't know i was annoyed we ended up doing oh. something else where we did like a health goth photo shoot in the snow i've never even seen the image it's probably not oh. that good it didn't end up in the yearbook um, Huh? Yeah, I don't know. No. I was so angsty though in high school. I didn't even have my picture in like the senior yearbook. Oh, There's like an empty those. slide. Oh jeez. Yeah. No, I I didn't have my like life together. It was, oh man. It was what it was. But no, yeah. yeah, I've talked to people like that. Or like, oh, I didn't I didn't go to my graduation. It's all just made up. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm still maybe in that like kind of. Maybe my family is still on that like grateful immigrant side of things. Of like, no, any academic achievement should be chronicled and like, you know, yeah. treasured. Yeah. But okay, anyways, this this shirt that you have. Yeah, I just love this thing. And I wear it to Podlache Club in uh here in Chicago, which is like a, a techno and house music um venue and I always get lots of comments on it. And it's funny cuz like my 
I don't wear a lot of t-shirts in general, let alone band shirts. Like I'm very often in a dress shirt and if it's winter, like a sweater or something like that. Um, I love an excuse to put on a tie. And so this is like kind of a vestige from a, from my like, not rebellious, but like, I, I don't know. I dress more like a DIY indie yeah. boy briefly. When you wear that shirt, you start to give like young lean aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten that on dating apps before. Yeah. I've had... Girls say I look like Young Lean, um, which I always thought was kind of chubby, and so that made me sad. Yeah. Um, no, he's something, I don't know, in high school, I mean, I have, like, a very wide and bizarre array of tastes, but mm-hmm. I remember in high school thinking Young Lean was attractive. Yeah. I liked I liked his use of the Arizona green tea can, because that yeah. always had a very, like, powerful aesthetic to me. That green, that, like, celeste green was always very beautiful. It's the same... It's a similar green to um, Bianchi bicycles have like yeah. a very key Celeste green. And I don't know, yeah. <laughs> every so often a certain color will just like take hold of me and I'm just like, I covet it. it it's like uncanny. Time. It's uncanny if you watch like original Young Lean videos in the present day because it's such a purified version <laughs> of what everyone is still doing to this day. Yeah. Where it's like that is like the concentrated genesis of like <laughs> internet aesthetics. Yeah. And if, you can never be as naive and pure and carefree as he was making those videos. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's wild that he has like face tattoos and stuff. I feel like in Europe those must be even more powerful. Having he a has face them tattoo. now, but not in yeah, the, not, his OG videos. Yeah, no. He's just a sweet little <laughs> Dutch boy. Where is he from? No, I think he's like Scandinavia, Scandinavia like okay. Sweden, Norway, okay. something like that. But no, anyway. I think he, he's from the same country as the guy who made IKEA, whatever that one is. Oh, that's um, Sweden. Yeah, he's Swedish then. Mm-hmm. Ingvar Kamprad is the founder of IKEA. There you go. I don't know. Why yeah, I know. I know that because there's a video where he's interviewed Young Lean, where it's right after the guy who made IKEA dies, and they're like, "How do you feel about that?" And he gets really <laughs> pensive, and he's like, um, "I'm very sad. I don't want to talk about that." Oh my God. <laughs> that is the most like Scandinavian thing. You know, Ingvar Kamprad was a kind of fascinating figure, honestly. Um, I don't know. I love Ikea. I have a weird fascination with it. I feel like safe and held when I'm in an Ikea. We used to go to them when I was in Germany. And there's something about the orderliness of the maze. Um, I get asked if I work there when I'm I'm standing around in there sometimes. When I'm not even wearing anything blue or something, people just think that I would (laughs) work in an Ikea. I also got that in a Ralph Lauren store, but I was proud of that. That's nice. Trying to think of other little Crystal Castles esoterica. Oh, we talk about the chiptune origins of it. I know very little about this, uh, other than the fact that chiptunes comes from guys who would, you know, use video game sounds from the 8-bit or 16-bit era, meaning like the NES or the Super NES, Sega Genesis, that kind of stuff. So I'm going to actually like physically take apart the consoles and use those to make sounds. Someone Wait. wrote a piece online accusing Crystal Castles of stealing from chiptune artists and not sampling and not like crediting them, which I could probably see. But yeah, you know. I mean, I know a little bit about chiptune through C punk because I was C punk in high school, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll probably do a C punk episode at some point, yeah. just because I'm like a foremost expert on C <laughs> punk. Literally, it's, it's so but, wild to be C punk in high school. Like it's just such like a you really like are well, showing because well, I was on the it. diving team. It, it, it made sense. It also makes too much sense. Like, it's too clear. It's like it's like sorting yourself into, like, I am the water. I am the water tribe at my high school. Yeah. Like, I do water things. That's to so yeah. strongly identify with an element is really funny. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? It's like, I, t- diving terrified me. I mostly, like, I joined the swim team because it was, like, a sport I felt like I could do. 
But then this boys swim team, they weren't that nice to me. And so then there was a diver on the other, on the diving team, which was joined with the swim team. And he was nice. And I was like, I'll just do this. I'll switch yeah. over. But it terrified me. It was like, I mean, it was okay at first. But then when, once they start having you do like reverse dives, it's like, why, why would I do that in my spare time? It would like freak me out. It, it was so much risk for... Yeah. Like the reward of just flipping in the air and going into water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's something I've said about you before is you do seem like very risk averse. And so diving is, I don't but know. No, there's, 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 an, there's an intensity face. to when I want things. I can get things done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not. But physical risk yeah. too. I don't see you do. I can't like, I don't know. I can't picture you jumping into, jumping off a cliff or something. And then to think that you were like, yeah. Uh, no, I ever is surprising. No, I can I can do exceptional things. I can do exceptional <laughs> things. I have it within me to do exceptional things. Yeah, but no. Okay, so chip tune. I know a little bit about it through C Punk because one of the main C Punk guys, his name was Unicorn Kid. He was like one of the like he was in the pantheon of C Punk, one of the main mm-hmm. people. And Unicorn Kid, he prior to becoming C Punk, made like chip tune albums. But his music as a C Punk person sounded a bit chip tune, and there was this really good. C-Punk mini documentary produced through an MTV project called like Weird Vibes. And it was the last episode ever produced on Weird Vibes, but it was Uh on C-Punk. And they also interviewed like Anna Monaguchi as part of that. Uh They were like a really big chiptune group. But yeah, chiptune, it's kind of like incel adjacent. Yeah, it gives you the vibe of a guy wearing a like uh, Legend of Zelda Triforce t-shirt and cargo pants. Someone with like a cat earphones had headphones yeah 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 yeah. i uh, kind of just avoid that stuff (laughs) there's certain i mean the thing is there are certain genres where it's like yeah this sounds good if i hear it like i was thinking about electro swing the other day (laughs) where it's like i feel like someone when they're like 13 might hear a song and be like this is really cool but even once you're like 15 you're like this is a this isn't something about this is just too like out of left field like it's just so, I don't even know how to, it's like smug and something, bet you wouldn't think of this, <laughs> bet you wouldn't think to electrify swing music, like yeah. two different things. I remember, this was either like late high school or early college, but I was with a friend and he was like, oh, Joseph, you listen to all these different types of music. I have a really interesting genre to recommend you. <laughs> and I stopped him right there. I'm like, it's electro swing. He's like, how did you know? It's like, because you never present music by telling someone about a new genre. You never say I have a new genre unless it's like, Electro swing, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's genre first, music second. It's like, first they wow you with the concept of it, and then they're like, well, you know you have to make yeah. music now, and then they just kind of have to figure it out from there, but no. But I feel like aesthetic off. first music works. Yeah. Where, like, all of these genres we've been talking about, like, I mean, I'm not the type of person to, like, go and listen to, like, a Vaporwave playlist, but, like, Home by Resonance is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Uh, and that's, like, something I've seen on, like, the TikTok algorithm where, like, I'll get these, like, accounts. I think one of them is called, like, City Views or something. But mm. there's this account that I get recommended a lot where it's all of these scenes of, like, futuristic skyscrapers in yeah. China. Mm-hmm. And, like, either the songs are, like, a handful of Vaporwave songs or Crystal Castles, and that's it. Yeah. That is it. Um. <laughs> no, I, I think that, um, I don't know, it's hard to... The end of Crystal Castles are at 2017, but then when was when was the rise of the like aesthetic YouTube stream? Like when did um, what's it called? Chill Lo-Fi Beats to study to, because that kind of like 
If you want to talk about the linking of an aesthetic with a sound, like these streams were really like a, a cleanly packaged yeah. version of that. You'd have an image, maybe it'd be moving, maybe it'd be a selection of images, like a slideshow. Yeah, you'll see, <laughs> see like uh, oldies playing in another room as the snow falls in the 1950s, like increasingly specific um, yeah, aesthetic musical combos. Um, yeah. But no, lo-fi beats, it definitely existed late high school, like 2013, yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Those, I don't know, I'm of two minds about like just that kind of lo-fi beats thing. I, li- I listened to this one artist, um, God, what was his name? It was like Honey something, I forget, but he was proto-proto, like lo-fi hip-hop beats to study to. And it is like, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a music, it just feels like a... Like when you put on a white noise machine or when you light a candle, like it's really more vibes and ambiance than actual music. But I think the artists know that they're just kind of providing like a, a resource, like it's just kind of something that's just consumed without thinking. Yeah. It's music. It's like modern music. Um, yeah. One other Crystal Castles TikTok I wanted to talk to you about is the Crystal Castles construction workers <laughs> video. Yes. Um, I love this so, one. Let me actually open this one up yeah. just so that I can like get the accurate numbers for how many likes yeah. and how many um, views this, this has because it's quite a lot. Uh, 1.9 million likes. Wait, wait, play That's it big. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the cut. I love it when it cuts to the second guy. Um, yeah. Because he's dancing in like a ranchero way. Yeah, yeah. He's holding his belt buckle and he's like putting the hand over the head. Like that's. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's an outdoor construction site, um, and there's guys sitting in the company truck, which is a nice new truck also. Um, and then they pivot over, and there's a guy. And they're all in hard hats and safety gear, and they have the, the classic, like, bandanas for concrete dust. Um, I get very – I only had, like, two years in, like, ground-up construction before I started doing more interior stuff. Um, but I get weirdly wistful for it, like, ah, oh, man, being out there on the real site. Not that there's anything less real about indoor construction. But, yeah, I just love that video. Um, yeah, because as viewers, you probably know by now, Joseph works in the construction industry. If we ever do have a Silent Generation TikTok, you're going to need to recreate this. <laughs> no, I mean, actually, if I were you, I probably wouldn't want to ask my, like, coworkers uh, yeah, to do it. To but do that. it would be cool if you, did, <laughs> if you did at some point. I think they'd like it. One of our carpenters is actually, um, like, an electronic music DJ. He does it for Chariado events, which is like Mexican rodeo yeah. stuff. It's really cool. It's um, I think it's less bulls. It's more like wild horse roping kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, he's super into it. He travels like all across the Midwest to DJ and also to attend these events. Um, he's got all the getup for it, which is like you know traditional like cowboy dress, and he says the outfits can cost like two three thousand dollars for a man. It's just a whole like subculture out there. Um, but you'd think the music that accompanies that would be like very nostalgic and looking backwards, but no, they like EDM and DJs and that kind of stuff too. Music on job sites varies. Like guys from smaller towns in Mexico will want to play their like regional Mexican music, you know, whatever like banda music if they're from some areas. We have a guy from Mexico City and his tastes are pretty squarely like dad rock into grunge, uh, REM, 90s college radio kind of stuff. Uh, Polish guys like the 80s. I don't know why they're kind of frozen in the 80s. They like that stuff. Uh, but It, it might have been when they moved here. Unless, are you talking 90s. about younger guys? These are younger guys still, oh, okay. I would say. But the last big wave of Polish immigration was like more, you know, 90s. Well, or one, of the, one of the like 
things with globalization is apparently it takes time for cultural ideas to diffuse across time and space. Um, although that's definitely accelerated with the internet. But I mean, even like 10 years ago, say like 2010s, 2000s, there are apparently like, you know, people making music in Africa who'd like dress in a 1980s way because mm. it was like 20, 30 years behind. Wow. Uh, like it takes a while for ideas to diffuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I even feel like within the city, I, when I was in high school, and this was again like early internet, um, within the city, there were people that I'd meet that did feel like 10 years behind too. Like yeah. if they're from the Northwest side, the Northwest <laughs> side of the city is very white. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, if you were to like, group this area of Chicago within like a New York framework, this would be closer to like Queens or Staten Island. Mm -hmm. Probably more like Queens, but- Yeah, I would say Staten yeah. Island is Bridgeport, Chicago. That is- Yeah, no, no Staten Island is like East Side Chicago, like Hedgewish. But, maybe, maybe. but no, like, okay, so it's more like Queens. So yeah. this area is like, I, I, there, when I started high school, the high school I went to, it was like composed of students from throughout the entire city. And so there were like people from the Northwest side as with every other part of the city. And I remember they would always be like, oh yeah, I have a band. I, <laughs> I like rock music. They'd be like, this is, you're so behind. We've, we've like, gone beyond this. Yeah, no, it's all about, uh, it's all about abusive boy girl groups. Like That's they, always like they'd be like, they'd, they'd be like, I like punk music. And they'd be yeah, like, like, do you know what that means? <laughs> I, I, to this day, I honestly barely know what punk is. Like, it's just uh, not for me. I don't yeah. really care. I had one friend in college who's genuinely into punk music, um, like stuff from like the 70s, The Clash. He just loved The Clash. Uh, he works for Raytheon now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had a friend like excommunicate him for that. He's like, anyone else, if someone is apolitical, they're allowed to work for Raytheon. But if you're like, you know, uh, really ideological punk and Buddhist, and you can't be, <laughs> be working for Raytheon. But no, when I went to the summer camp in Wisconsin, it felt like there were three levels of culture. There were like kids who grew up in Chicago, like kids who were living in like Lincoln Park and Lakeview um, and went to the cool schools. And then there were like Chicago suburbs kids who were a half step behind. And then there was like far Chicago suburbs and then all of Wisconsin kids. Basically, we're just like two steps behind on stuff. Kids from Wheaton felt like they were just like, yeah, I don't know, five, eight years behind. Um, and then, yeah, small town Wisconsin. But yeah, I was just always so, I don't know, skeptical. I was always a little on edge around like the Chicago kids. This is when I was like a counselor. And so they were like counselors in training. So I was like, you know, 19. And they were like, uh, yeah, like 15. I was like, they're cooler than me and they know it. They can sense it. They're more ahead of it. They were into tagging. They were into like graffiti and stuff like that. I was just like, oh, man, which is part of the reason I feel like I want to raise kids in the city. It's just like when they have a leg up on being cool, no one can call my kid lame if I, if I raise them in the city. I'm yeah. Like, oh. Very true. Another TikTok that I wanted to just mention is there's this Alice Glass compilation that's really cool. Um, and it uses a song called It Fits when, it, when I Was a Kid. Um, so this song, it's called a Crystal Castle song, kind of not. Okay, so this song, it sounds like a Crystal Castle song. I think we'll play it now in the episode.
was released before Crystal Castles existed by Ethan Kath individually. And it's a remix of a song by another person, but it sounds so good. And it sounds <laughs> so like true to like what Crystal Castles is. And um, yeah, when I see like TikTok videos where they're using the song, it sounds like I'm hearing Crystal Castles for the first time. Oh, wow. Uh, and I really like it. No, yeah, it's just a compilation of like her doing her wild, yeah, concert antics. And I think we forget now because like the music lives longer than the performances. But one of the things they were really known for at the time was their crazy live performances of, yeah, as you said, like Alice Glass jumping into the crowd. One of my friends said, I don't know, I couldn't really find, this is a hard thing to confirm, but he said that like he, like Alice Glass would like disappear for periods of time after concerts sometimes, especially big festivals and stuff. She'd just get like kind of roped in with groups of people and then they'd have to cancel a few shows or something as they just like didn't really know where she was. Um, but she'd always like find her way back. Yeah. And so this is now kind of built into like the lore of Alice Glass during these eras is that she was kind of like, I don't know, kind of like how we look at um, Britney Spears, you know, where she's out there, she's performing, but she's still like in chains in a way, yeah. um, talking about pre, uh, <laughs> pre-emancipation. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, it's such like a rock star lifestyle to be like, oh, where, where is she? Where does she go? <laughs> yeah, She's yeah. out with whoever, doing yeah. whatever. Where, like, you don't even know where someone is like in terms of physical location. I could never live like that. No, like, no. I've yeah, lived like not... such, I've lived literally the opposite type of life where I've, like, the longest I've ever been outside of Chicago was a month when I lived in New Jersey with family friends for like a summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was, yeah, I've, I could never just be like, not have be rooted. Like, yeah. like I mean, it sounds kind of romantic, but like, that's mm-hmm. such a different lifestyle. No. Yeah. I was just thinking about this because like, I've always had jobs where I can't really take off a lot of time because like, I'm always the person with the site knowledge and all that. So being gone uh, for Thanksgiving where I actually like, took off more time than usual and I was gone for six days and I came back and like my car was dead. And, like I was like, this is just a reminder that like I'm not meant to like leave my little plot. Like, and so yeah, just being unattended and just roaming around as a rock star just feels, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Alice Glass is like a cultural figure now. Like she's having her moment, you know? Like it's, it's good to see her back on top basically. If the music isn't there quality wise, like I don't know, whatever. Like... She's I feel like if, if Alice she lives just in started Palm Springs now, which is so weird. Palm Springs, California. Yeah. I mean, if Alice just started to like collaborate with all these like underlings that she's inspired. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I bet like, I, if I was her, I would want to be doing a solo thing and be like, mm-hmm. I, I would want to try to prove something to myself. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. if Alice collaborated with like Pastel Ghost, sorry, if Alice collaborated with Pastel Ghost and like Juvan. Mm-hmm. And Aki Aura and these people, like yeah. she'd be set. Yeah. Like I think those people might have more like beat making ability, yeah. basically, but they don't have that like presence of I don't know personality and vocals and arrangement that she might have. You know? Yeah, it could be really good, but also like, yeah, she was always giving up creative control. Cause, so she, she probably has a period right now. She wants to take it all back, and then maybe she might be open to. Because I feel like that's the most important element for an electronic song to become mainstream or popular or just beloved is that it needs to have vocals of some sort. Electronic music on its own is fine, but in order for it to exit the like strictly electronic EDM circles in which it's popular, Mm -hmm. it needs to have some lyrics. Yeah. I love, we just start talking about Crystal Castle songs we love. I love Not In Love, uh, which is their song that's a cover of some 
existing song from the 80s, but then they had Robert Smith of The Cure do the vocals for it. We can and probably just, play that in the yeah, episode. I just love that song so much. I, I'm not as much of a fan because they don't really like male vocalists. Oh. That's one of the reasons why I like Crystal Castles. It's a female vocalist. Uh -huh. But yeah, um, I do like Vanished, which was played mm -hmm. in the beginning of yeah. this episode, which uses. I'm like, is that Ethan Kath singing? Like, oh. there's some guy who's singing a Vanished. Oh, maybe. But yeah, I, Not in Love was really big back when Crystal Castles was still active. I would, I think that was their biggest song. I think it charted in the UK where it was like maybe even like a top 10 song. Oh, wow. But I think that in the years since, Not In Love has not been as popular. Like I'm not yeah. seeing it on TikTok, mm -hmm. but. Cause, Cause Alice Glass is like, it's less, you know, Alice on that song. And I yeah. think that when we look back, we see Alice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do think that Vanished and Kerosene are the two biggest now which maybe we'll play Kerosene now. You heard a Kerosene earlier as part of like the Flop Talk uh, remix mm -hmm. that we played, but this is like the actual song. I love Kerosene a lot. Kerosene is like, for me, like top two. Pale Flesh, that's a good one. Yeah. I love that one. Um, I love Crime Wave a lot. That's another big one there. Yeah. I just like the part where the, um, they like drop out some of the audio tracks and it's like just percussive, basically. I don't know, it's just a bit, I really liked. I like when you, it's such like a good, well put together song with Entergen fully take like the floor out from under it and it still kind of holds itself up i really like that yeah that's the album art is so cool like in their pursuit of they said like no meaning just aesthetics like i think that's a lot more freeing i think that if if your aesthetics have to say something about either a value system or a philosophy or a statement you really limit yourself but like the fact that they didn't have to explain like their album covers and stuff i think meant they could be cool i mean the first one is just them in like a super indie sleaze outfits, you know? He's got the light wash jeans, those came back. But yeah, Alice Glass with her like page boy haircut um, and what looks like a very, very thin hoodie. Hoodies were very big in this era. Yeah. Like yeah. American Apparel, yeah. one of their best selling products was the F947, <laughs> or no, it was the F497. Was that really thin? No, it was, um, it was like a fleece hoodie and it was very soft. And you can still buy these from Los Angeles Apparel or American Apparel, which is run by Gildan, but they are very soft. They're like, you have to like, you can't dry them though. There's like a specific way you need to wash them because they'll get messed up otherwise. The till otherwise? Is yeah. It is, like the fleece on the inside. Yeah, they're yeah. You'll, you'll like wreck those hoodies really easily yeah. if you don't wash them the right way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, hoodies were really big back mm -hmm. in this period. It's kind of bizarre. It, it's like the, the, the standard for just looking different back then was so low. Yeah. It's like you, you could just walk, wear a hoodie and that was like experimental. Yeah, no. I'm thinking like the, the outfits they're wearing in this, like if the, like in Crystal Castles one, 
Oh, yes, I guess so much more to look trendy. That's an average person like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, in a hoodie, but now it's like, no, you gotta have yeah. like face tattoos and like. <laughs> yeah, like the leather jacket Ethan's wearing on the train ride here. I was on the blue line and I saw like two guys with leather jackets. I could tell they were like a gay couple. Yeah. They weren't even seated together, but I noticed them and they both had like luggage. I was like, you just got into Chicago. You're, you're a gay couple, but yeah, like leather jackets, like. Anyone, so defanged. Anyone nowadays. can wear that. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's uh-huh. whatever. I saw this was some like. Uh, Reddit post on the Chicago thing, and it's like, what are some funny misunderstandings people you've seen in Chicago? Someone was saying their aunt was in town from like Poland or something, and she was staying in Boys Town. She's like, I think I'm in a kind of a rough area. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of guys in leather jackets. <laughs> so, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because back in this day, actually, there was a bit more discourse. Um, Post Bill Clinton, people were still like oh, super on this, predator discourse. They were on their high schools about crime and whatever. Yeah. But I remember that there was like discourse around like hoodies back then. Like, I vaguely remember. I think like certain schools you couldn't wear hoodies or something. Yeah, uh-huh. famously Trayvon yeah. Martin was wearing a hoodie. Um, yeah, and yeah, at, at my school, hoodies were tightly policed. You could not put that hood up anywhere inside yeah. the school. Yeah, they just got wrapped in with, like, delinquency and all that. Um, yeah, but now you can, like, leave your house with a hoodie on and a face mask and a ski <laughs> mask. <laughs> and you can walk on a train or bus and no one thinks anything. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. actually, back when I was in middle school, when I was really into Crystal Castles, one of the other musicians I was into was Lady Sovereign. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know about her? No. She was, like, a British UK rapper. She, um, mm, she was, like, like five, feet, five feet tall and she's, like, a white... Um, wait, what's the word they use? Cockney? Scab? Oh, so no, it's chav. Okay, chav, she was like a chav, chav yeah. girl. Uh, <laughs> Chavet. But she had this song that she came out with called Hoodie, where it was basically like a rap song that was a PSA campaign about how hoodies are okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was like a big thing back then where hoodies were yeah. a big thing. They got wrapped up in respectability politics, definitely, with like sagging yeah. pants and all that. I personally try not to wear hoodies and not put the hood up because um, it's part of my just weird fixation yeah. seeming like. I don't know, not violent in any yeah. way. One other interesting anecdote I want to mention is that this was so long ago that I actually had physical copies of Crystal Castle CDs. I might actually uh-huh. still have them. But as part of that, I actually started to, I gave someone in my high school a Crystal Castle CD to borrow and they like downloaded it to get it, to get it on their mm-hmm. iTunes. Yeah, yeah burning it, <laughs> and burning then CD. Yeah. They brought it back to the class and then it, instead of just bringing it home with me I, there was another person and i was like oh why don't you take it and then there started to be this chain where sisterhood of the travel over the course style. of a year this crystal castle cd traded hands like 10 times and then some like gay upperclassman sophomore learned about it and was like i want it i want it and then it had to go but to him and then he took it and didn't give it back until like the end of the you year and put it back in a circulation oh man i was annoyed yeah uh, no. <laughs> I would uh, yeah. I would burn CD mixtapes for friends, and I'd make little cover arts for them. Um, I don't know. I think I was doing that in, like, sophomore, junior year. I don't know what it was. People started, yeah. like, requesting them and stuff. Um, I don't know. It felt good. It felt like the last gasp of, um, you know, mixtape yeah. culture. You know what my thing was in high school? I would draw on people's arms for them. Wow. I would draw patterns with Sharpies. Wow. Old school tattoo artist. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this CD that got traded hands so many times... Yeah, it was an interesting moment, but I think that is another testament to like how popular Crystal Castles was. Yeah, easily understood how, like, by people. You play it once and you're like, oh, I haven't heard this before. Like, uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I have you ever thought of anyone who didn't like them, or like they heard a song and they're like, "I don't uh, like this." My ex, yeah, she, oh. she said it was really stressful sounding. She didn't like any stressful music. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, that's that's one. <laughs> yeah. One other negative observation I've heard is like every song sounds the same, and it's all like beep boop, beep boop. Yeah. Uh, I guess I can understand that, but. Uh-huh. It's so good. That's that's an uncultured take. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. the beeps and boops on this song more than the other ones. Yeah. yeah. The first ep- the first album was definitely the most like that though. Yeah. Where it sounded uh, the most like chip tune well, video game esque. They said they wanted to make kind of like abrasive, annoying music. I think Ethan used the word annoying at one. That's probably just him being angsty. Yeah, exactly. It's like no, this these songs like actually make sense. Like yeah, there are some jarring sounds and stuff, but like. Yeah. Uh, that's always like a perennial thing that comes up in music and punk and stuff. Like, oh, I want to make it sound so bad it's good or like bad taste or all those things. I think artists like to say that, but I don't know. A good musician like can't really make, uh, I mean they can, but like they're always going to have some amount of harmony to the songs, yeah. even if the elements of it are jarring and like uh, yeah. punchy. I mean, every single album has like a song that's a bit intense. Mm-hmm. Um like, I think from two, I think that one's Vietnam. There's always at least one song that's, like, actually kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm looking at their Spotify, and you can buy their physical CDs still. It's kind of hmm. surprising. Who does that money go to? The record company, I guess. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, and then some kind of... They're yeah. still mysterious to this day. Yeah. Ethan Kath has pretty much disappeared. It's hard to disappear. Yeah. But, I mean, if Reddit can't find you, and those nerds are, like, on it... Um, yeah, there was like an Instagram post of him, maybe 2022, not yeah. three. Um, I mean, I feel like if I saw Ethan Kath in public, he just looks like a regular dude. And he's older now. I'm sure even he looks even yeah. more like a regular guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a distinctive look, though. He's got like a, like a prominent nose. He's got that dark, dark facial hair. Yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Charlotte Copley, who's the South African actor from like District 9 and um, Elysium. That one other movie. And that one he has a yeah. beard, so he looks more like him. But yeah. I think they had they did have a great like visual look, you know. He's I think he's pretty tall. He, and she's pretty short, so they had that kind of contrast too. She had the different colored hair. He was just in a hoodie and looked kind of bird like. Um, yeah. So I think that we can wrap up. Yeah. Um, before I wrap up, we wrap up, I do wanna mention that we have a Instagram account, um, silent.generation. You can start list you can start following us there. But yeah, how should we conclude how we talk about Crystal Castles? So for both of us, it was very pivotal. Mm. And what do you want to see people do with it now? Um, I don't know. Keep making the TikToks. I'm not going to watch them exactly. But I think just like keep it. <laughs> I think it's funny to think about an eight-year-old wanting to hear Crystal Castles. But like, yeah, I want to kind of, I don't, I don't mind when things become super mainstream. I want them to inspire more bands. I want them to reissue t-shirts. I think that'd be cool. I'd, I'd buy another one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then one of the TikToks was like Crystal Castles Night. Oh yeah, of, and that's that's interesting. They have a large enough catalog between three albums and then some EPs that like, I don't know, like bars will put on like you know theme nights and stuff. I would fucking love a Crystal Castles Night <laughs> somewhere, yeah. like at Late Bar or something. Um, yeah, Late Bar is a bar in Chicago where they play. It's honestly like too? before my time. Like I can I can construct. New Wave night. We went to New Wave night. Yeah. I don't like New Wave. Um, but no, they play other, when it's not New Wave centric, their general catalog that they play at Late Bar. What do they even play? It's like shoegaze esque. Oh. It can be, it's kind of Electro Clash. It's like, 
it's 80s to like early 2000s, but it's, it's, I can't construct exactly where the music I'm listening to is coming from because I can construct the music that's before my time through my older siblings, but none yeah. of them were like 80s enough. Yeah, you're like reaching your like kind of bar. mental limit. Yeah, because yeah, it's getting into more of your parents' era. Um, so yeah, I want to hear Crystal Castles on TikTok. I want to hear it in public at bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to hear these new musicians continue to produce music that likes that is like it. And I really want Alice Glass to keep doing her work. And okay, I get, <laughs> I get you want to distance yourself from what you did with Crystal Castles. But she's described it as being her life's work. Like, and wow. she's performing it still. She can recognize yeah. it's important and mm-hmm. people love it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you, you don't have to like make new music that's like a spitting image of what you did back yeah, then. Yeah, recapture the magic. Yeah. I mean, work with these like younger people that have like a new vision mm-hmm. of how to reinterpret these sounds because they're making good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for listening this week. Um, and have a good one. Have a good one. Bye.